0: Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to Hickory Bible Tabernacle. We're going to uh, go to G here. Uh, Create in me
1: a clean Bye.
0: I'd like to uh, to go through here, and um, we're going to go ahead and uh, have have a prayer after after these announcements. Uh, If you don't mind, uh, brother Ben, uh, just be prepared to come forward. Shirley Lingles, uh, mom. She uh, let's have some a special uh, thought for her. She recently had a fall. She's 89 years old, and so please keep her in your in your prayers. The the Browns are not here this morning. The family's not feeling well. Also the Pascals are not with us. Um, uh, Stephen and Emily and Menard, they are unable to be here as well. Um, David and Jesse Cogman, water problems? That seems like a very common excuse for them. Maybe we should have some special prayer for that. (laughs) Water problems. So uh, now we pray for that as well. I know it's an issue. Um, Peter and Rachel are away. Uh, Gerald Crow, he's a member at uh, Brother Steve's church, uh, has been just admitted to hospice. So please be in prayer for him and strength for his family. And uh, also our uh, sister Christy in, uh, is at the VA hospital, so let's keep her in our prayers as well. Uh, Brother Ben, if you come forward and just take these prayers to the Lord and then uh, after this we're gonna let's take up the offering
2: can we stand that's uh if you have any unspoken prayer requests if you just make it known by an uplifted hand I'm so thankful this morning there's somewhere where we can come amen that when we have our needs that we can go to him Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just counted a real honor and a privilege, Lord, to be here with our brothers and sisters, Father, this morning. And to be able to join our voices together, Father, and just worship you and to be able to hear your word. And Lord, we truly are a needy people, Lord. And uh, Lord, all these prayer requests, our brother John read this morning, Father, Lord, you know all those needs, Lord. And Lord, You know the ones that weren't mentioned, Father, that our brothers and sisters have on their hearts that may be burdening them, that may be bothering them, Father, that You know our deepest, darkest secrets, Father, and You know what we need. Lord, we're thankful that we can come to You, Lord. Lord, we just ask that You'll be with these needs, Father. Lord, we ask that you be with our brother John as he continues to lead us in worship, Father. May our sound be as a sweet savor to you, Father, this morning, Lord. And Lord, as our pastor comes, Father, may you bless him, Lord, and help us to do our part to pull on the word, Father, because that's why we're really here. We ask it in your name, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Please remain standing as the deacons come forward. And this time, let's worship him with our tithes and our offerings, um, when the people of Israel gathered together, um, three times a year they brought their tithes and their offering, and it was a main, it was one of the main aspects of their worship with God, as they would give it unto Him and know that He would multiply it and use it to uh, to bless and to further their national efforts, and I think that we just should, this should be a part of our worship this morning, is the giving of our offerings. Brother Andy, would you say a blessing over I'm one of them, I'm one of them. I'm so
1: glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them, one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Well, there are people all That I can. Could... I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Are you one of them? Yes, you are. I'm one of them. I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. Well, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. Well, come, my. I'm one of them. Well, I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. I'm one of them. I'm one I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. One more time. I'm one of them. I'm one of i i
0: That should make you happy this morning, amen? One of them is baptized in the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and in church on Sunday morning. You can't get much better than that. Brother Matt, we're going to do a couple of specials here. I'd like to welcome uh, Sister Keisha Nobles. And um, <clears throat> got a special, very special request for her to sing a song called, He Cares. So um, these, they're visiting from Columbia, South Carolina, Brother Simmons Church, and so uh, really excited about that. Brother Matt's going to lead us in a special here, and then uh, Sister Keisha, if you would come up.
2: I know you all knew this, so... Sing this along with me. I've been uh, speaking in recent days with an old childhood friend of mine by the name of Jeffrey Sherrill. And I believe John knows him. But he's having really troubled days and really fighting against Satan. And what he's searching for is the anchoring of his soul. But sometimes it takes us a while to find that. So you be praying for me as I deal with him. But just dealing with that situation made me think about this song and I love the power of it singing along with me
1: And I bear it no more So pray
0: While she sings, let's uh, comes. Let's sing. I'm a new creation.
1: I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things have passed away. I've been born again.
0: sister we're so thankful for those specials this morning that was beautiful yeah thank you so much Be glad for her to do that, yeah. And if you didn't hear that, Sister is requesting that Keisha sing another song. Um, she went the wrong direction. <laughs> and this is in the memory of your husband, who passed recently, Elijah. And uh, he was in Vietnam, as was my father as well. And, uh, yeah. Let's um. And we'll certainly do that. If um, maybe, maybe someone could mention her. There's been another request for her to sing a song. Thank you, sister. Um, let's do a little chorus, I've Been Redeemed, and while we see if she'll come back up and sing this requested song. Okay.
1: Well, hallelujah, He's redeemed me. And I've been born. Born again, more than a dog to her. That's what I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. Well, had, just could rise. God. Uh-huh. brand new man, I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new man, old things are passed away, conqueror, that's what I am, I'm a new creation, I'm a brand new man,
3: Praise the Lord. Let's give him an offering of praise. Every praise.
1: Every praise. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship, one accord. Every praise. Sing hallelujah to our God. Glory, hallelujah. Oh, every praise, every praise is to our God. God, oh, every word of worship with blood of glory, every praise, every praise is to our God.
3: take your Bibles while you're right in that moment and let's read in the scripture in Joshua the second chapter this morning. We welcome all of you to the house of the Lord today. Always good to be in God's presence. Let's talk about the real thing. Joshua chapter 2. We want to remember Sister Mary Smith. I didn't put it on Brother John's list there this morning. And uh, she's recovering from cataract surgery and doing well, and we uh, certainly miss the Smiths. My brother Bob has surgery tomorrow, Uh, just let me know, and uh, also as well, we want to uh, thank God for little Lincoln Hennes, who we've been praying for, and uh, he's now grown to 13.3 pounds, and uh, just squawking like a real normal little guy, and we're just really thankful for that. Joshua, the second chapter, before we read, let's speak to him. Dear Heavenly Father, Master of all things, we ask now that you would just come and open the Word to our hearts, Lord, as we open our Bibles and we read and hear what you say. Lord, we just want to hear now what you say to the inner man, and Father, that you might have free course among us today. May anything and everything that may in any way hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit, Lord, may it be put under the blood. May it be forgiven us, Lord. We just come humbly into your presence and Realize, Lord, that without the great sacrifice you made, we would not be able to enjoy the freedom that we we know today. And so we commit our hearts into your care, Lord, and ask that you would just take complete control for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all God's children said, Joshua chapter 2. And she, verse 9, Rahab said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. And that your terror is upon, is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sion, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. Now remember, these are, this is 40 years ago, right? Over 40 years ago, we're talking about. And she says, hey, we heard the stories. We heard the testimonies. We still talk about them. We know your God is able to do that. 11. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, and neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my Father's house, and give me a true token. Don't give me anything but the real thing. I want a true token and that ye shall save alive my father, my mother, my brethren, my sisters, and all that that they have, and deliver our lives from death. May the Lord bless his word. You may be seated this morning. This Wednesday night, Brother John Andes is going to be with us. Brother John is passing... Uh, through and uh, traveling around evangelizing, holding some different meetings. Uh, I know some of you are going to be planning to go down to uh, Beaufort uh, when he holds that uh, meeting down there. But uh, on his journeys back and forth, John and I have been long friends, and uh, he let me know he was going to be passing uh, from one side of the country to the other, actually, and he's going to be here on Wednesday night, so uh, you might want to remember that. We, uh, we've been observing uh, over the last couple of days the situation in Israel, and any situation in Israel, any uprising or any unrest uh, is significant for us, and uh, we're watching that uh, unfold there, and it's amazing how that, uh, the, the whole conflict that is currently uh, unfolding there is all about property, and uh, property is a really big thing, the territory, the land of Israel. And as a result of that, and this is an an, last week was an anniversary uh, of um, events in Israel. It's called Nakba Day, and uh, it is a day when in 1948 there was uh, all kinds of Palestinians who were evicted from uh, properties that they uh, felt that they owned, and so there was a dispute there. And as a result of that, it just flared up into what it is today. And uh, Israelis are obviously very, uh, very possessive and they're very protective over their land. Land is a big thing uh, for, the, for the people of Israel. And we know that uh, their land to them is the word to us, right? That's their promised land. This is our promised land as the revealed word of the hour. And in the same way we would be fiercely protective over this, this land, they also are fiercely protective over that land. And so it becomes a very interesting thing to watch. And uh, as you see it unfold, I think this, uh, this week will make a big difference uh, in that part of the world. Now, let me just catch up here. And I apologize because I was told I did not mention May 8th uh, that Sister uh, Carrie de- had, had a birthday. And, and my goodness, we wouldn't want to leave. Sister Carrie and Sister Jackie out. And that was an oversight on my part if I didn't do it. Uh, But here we are. Happy birthday from May 8th. May 9th was Mitchell's birthday. We mentioned that, didn't we? I don't know. Sister Jen Irish and Sister Angela Pritchard had uh, birthdays on May 10th. And may God bless both of them. We sure appreciate Sister Jen and Sister Angela. May 14th was Nathan Brown's birthday. The Browns are not here today. May 16th is Caroline Powell's birthday. May 17th is Sister Marianne Roy's birthday. May 19th was the Florian, is the Florian's anniversary. And uh, I'm not sure whether they're here today. And they're not here today. And the male's anniversary. Right? How many years? Nine years? God bless you both. We appreciate the males. And then May 20th is Trinity Powell's birthday as well. So may God bless all of you. It's always nice to catch up, always nice to make sure that we don't miss anybody, for sure. All right, let's just jump right in. I don't have any other preliminaries this morning because I want to jump into this subject here, and this has just been on my heart over the last little while to do. And uh, I just want to jump right into the Word here and uh, see where the Lord takes us. Uh, There's a lot that's related to this. And so let me start you off with a... Uh, a little statement here that Brother Branham makes in 1965. Now, <clears throat> how many knows that Brother Branham was a, a, not only a prophet, but being a prophet, he was a restorer, right? Uh, prophets are restorers of things. You remember when the altar was broken down in, the, in the, uh, First Kings 17 when uh, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. And after they had spent all day trying to call fire down, uh, there there was hardly anything left. And Elijah comes along and he restores the altar. He takes the stones and builds them back up again into their place. Because that's what prophets do. They are restorers of God's way. And so when Brother Branham tackles a subject, when Brother Branham talks about an issue, uh, then... There, there's, to me, the antennas go up. There's something important that we need to be sure of, and we need to make sure we continue to be sure of, because Satan will try to confound things that uh, should be established for us. But he does that. Uh, he, he certainly does that. And so, I, I want to just begin uh, this morning by looking at looking at a couple of things here uh, in this in this statement here. Christ revealed in his own words. So I want you to uh, just stay with me now, and I want you uh, to follow as long as I, closely as you can. You guys are very, very good listeners. You folks are wonderful listeners, and you're, uh, you, you make notes and pay attention, and I appreciate that very much. And I can feel that pull. I honestly can. And uh, so I, I want you just to do the same today and just, uh, just work with me as we look at this subject, because I think it's important, and we'll, we'll elaborate on that uh, in just a little bit. Brother Branham says that down on the inside of a person, every human being, he said there's, a, there's body, spirit, and soul. The third realm, he said, is that soul. That's predestinated by God. How many are glad for the, for the uh, truth of predestination? We, we really have to be uh, thankful for that. And he said that's where the real seed germ lays, the real seed of God. It lays right there in that third realm. Today... We're so confused today, so confused about the evidence of the Holy Ghost and so forth. And Satan can impersonate any kind of a gift that God has got, but he cannot bring that word word by word. Now remember now, Brother Bram's coming out of the Pentecostal era, right? Coming out of that in his early days of ministry, he preached at uh, Pentecostal churches, preached among Pentecostal people. And uh, this is only 1965. So this was the predominant force in that in that particular time. And uh, Brother Branham deals with that. He had to deal with it in his own church. Because despite what he was teaching, and even says right here that there's confusion about this, there were people who would still come at the end of services after Brother Branham would leave his own pulpit and have people come up and tell them at the altar that you don't have the Holy Ghost until you speak in tongues. Right while Brother Branham was preaching. And he would, he would leave, you know, go, or go out after the service was over, and they'd have an altar call uh, after that and, and be telling the people that despite what Brother Branham just said, you still need to speak in tongues or you don't have the evidence of the Holy Spirit. So this was a this was an issue in Brother Branham's day. And that's why he makes comments like this, that there was uh, confusion about the evidence of the Holy Ghost. Now, I'll tell you this. The Bible is not confused about this subject. And the Holy Ghost is not confused about this subject. Brother Branham wasn't confused about the subject. Many times it's our thinking and our past and our uh, idea of things that's where the confusion lays. And Satan knows where to attack. He doesn't attack the Bible, but he attacks your understanding of things. And then it'll get on your shoulder, and you start to whisper all kinds of things to you. And, uh, you know, I, I just, overla- over the last little while, uh, some of our young people, I know that God's dealing with them, and they're asking really great questions, and I appreciate the questions. I can tell uh th- these are not trivial questions like, can we build a new softball field in the back of the church? This is not that kind of question. They're asking questions about, you know, when a person is actually born again and when they're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. They're asking me questions like that. And that's really wonderful. That's really great. And I would just say this, too. And as, as things open up now in our world uh, and people are moving around and going to different camps, you're going to be exposed to different ideas about things and see different things. And that's just a fact of life. And so it's really important for us to teach it right so that we get it right, because we want to make sure we have the real thing. Right? That's the important thing. We want to have the real thing. And so, here's Brother Branham now, and, uh, you know, the, the... the, uh, it's obvious that God's dealing with our young people here, and, and, I'm really grateful for that. I know some of the young, young ones are, uh, you know, asking questions about being baptized, and I think that's, that's wonderful. I mean, that's, that's what should happen. Uh, you got a whole new generation that's rising up, despite the fact a lot of people never thought we'd be here. We're here, and so therefore we got a generation that's rising up, and God's dealing with them. And I'll tell you what, I think that's an answer to prayer. That's a wonderful thing. And we ought to encourage that. And we ought to teach that way. But it's also true as well that as we get older, sometimes things happen or creep into our lives or, uh, you know, experiences happen to us where we might wonder and we might question things and say, well, could that happen to me if I have the Holy Ghost? And could that happen to someone else if they have the Holy Ghost? And so there are questions. There are things that, uh, you know, we all have to deal with in time because Satan is good at trying to muddy the waters wherever he can. All right? Are we okay? So so let's just finish this statement here. He says that Satan can impersonate any kind of a gift that God has got. So what, any kind of manifestation, any kind of a gift, but he cannot bring that word or stay with the word, word by word, all the way to fulfillment. Can't do that. And that's where he failed in the Garden of Eden. That's where he's always failed. That's why Judas never made it to the upper room because he couldn't go all the way. And he says, the tape on the false anointed ones, how they can be anointed with the Spirit, and that's capital S, with the real genuine Holy Spirit. How somebody can be anointed with the real genuine Holy Spirit. And speak in tongues, dance, shout, preach the gospel, and cast out devils. And he said, still a devil. It's the inside. He said, it's the inside. Aren't you glad for predestination? Remember, Jesus said, all the Father has given me will come to me, and no man can come except my Father draws him first. Glory to God. No man, no man can come and take them away except my Father, sorry, can come except my Father uh, draws him first. All right. So when is the real thing the real thing? Let's just uh, put it in a couple of categories or questions like this, and then uh, it's kind of an easy way for me to deal with the subject because the subject is big and broad, and there's a whole lot of really good things in here that we want to cover. But let's answer a couple of questions. Is the Holy Ghost different from the token? And what is the evidence of the real thing? How do I know I have the real thing, and how can I tell? Or by what standard can I evaluate? Because, you know, one church uh, might say one thing, and another church might, uh, you know, put emphasis on another thing. Uh, and so what's the evidence of the real thing, bringing it back to an absolute like the Bible, right? We want to know that, because then it's, then it's universal. And then uh, I've been asked this question, when is a person saved? It's a great question. And what outward signs uh, will a person show? And so these are just a couple of the questions that we want to deal with and more will arise out of this. But if you don't mind, let's just wade into it here. Brother Branham said, on the day of Pentecost, Peter said, it's for you and for your children and them that's far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And every person that enters into the baptism of the Spirit can have the same kind of Holy Ghost they got on the day of Pentecost. That's worth saying again. Every person that enters into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in other words, a true experience with God, he said they can have the same kind of Holy Ghost. It's not a new Holy Ghost or a different one. It's the same one that they got on the day of Pentecost. He said, I believe it. It's God's truth. So if we look at what the Holy Ghost did in the lives of those believers back then in the book of Acts, That will give us an idea of what the Holy Ghost would like to be able to do in our life today because it's not a different Holy Spirit. It's the same one. Not something that looked like it, but the real thing. We don't want to have something that looks like it or impersonates it, but we want to have the real thing. And the Holy Ghost brings forth the same kind of an evidence and proof that they had back there. comes with the same Holy Ghost. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. So I, I want you to... Uh, just remember this, you know, like some people will say, well, if it's back there, it doesn't matter, or if it's Old Testament, it doesn't matter. That, that's, a, that's a very poor way of looking at things, because all God's Word is true, and all God's Word, even though it's seasonal, is all there for a purpose. And we learn many things from things that happened back there. There are some things that uh, came through uh, from the Old Testament, and they came through Calvary and, and, and the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus Completely unchanged. They're just the same in the Old Testament as they were in the New, right? Some of you are not sure about that. Well, let me tell you something. Worship in the Old Testament means nothing different than worship in the New Testament. Right? They worship God and God loved worship. He's the object of worship and He delighted in the praises of His people back then. Let me tell you, He still feels the same way about worship today. Some things ceased. When it came to Calvary. So, for instance, animal sacrifices that were were, uh, required in the Old Testament, they ceased after Jesus died on the cross. There was no need for animal sacrifices after that, right? There were some things that changed as they came through into the New Covenant or into the New Testament. For instance, like the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee was once every time period, every seven years and every 40 years that happened back uh, in the Old Testament there and the trumpet sounded and they could go free. But when Jesus took the book in Luke chapter 4 and uh, he lets us know that, uh, you know, this is the day that uh, that the Lord has made and uh, this is the, 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 the time of Jubilee and he whom the Son sets free is free indeed, right? It's still a Jubilee, but it can happen any time. It can happen here today that Christ can set somebody free. Isn't that right? So you do not have to wait for a certain year or a certain day. I mean, He's still the one who sets free. He's still that today, same as He ever was. But now we're not waiting in a time span like they did in the Old Testament. It's still freedom that, that Jubilee provided, but it can happen at any time. And then there are things that, that were made possible because of the coming of the Holy Spirit. So there are some things that never changed. There are some things that ceased. There are some things that were modified. And there are some things that were made possible. So, for instance, in Ezekiel, back in the book of Ezekiel, which was promised that God would put a, take out of our heart, the stony heart, and put a new heart within us. And he'd take out our spirit and put a new spirit within us. That only was possible because of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't possible in the Old Testament under the blood of bulls and goats. But now because the Holy Spirit came, now He can do that inside transformation in a person's life and put that new heart within you and that new spirit within you. It was made possible because of the coming of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So therefore, whenever we build our altar, whenever we uh, establish things, we want to make sure that we allow God's Word to shape our thinking. And that's really important. And if you don't think that's important... <clears throat> let's take a look here. The great, full Holy Ghost has become nearly a floor show Brother Bam, 1957 now. Richard Roberts, Oral Roberts, and all the other uh, programs that were out there. Television was a new thing. Evangelism now took a turn because now they were trying to appeal to a mass audience. This was not just uh, conventions and tent meetings and church services and revivals. This was now moving into that realm. So they had to soup it up and jazz it up and get better musicians and better uh, choreography. And it was not that the Holy Spirit was going to dictate this. Uh, there was going to be designers and producers and programs programmers who were going to design how this evangelism was going to be shaped. And they still do that, right? Many of these megachurches, they, today they have uh, choreographers of, of services, they have, uh, you know, designers of how the stage is going to look, and musicians where, uh, you know, they, they plan their music on Monday for the, for the weekend coming, and all of it is kind of laid out in their own way. And, and, and that's, that's uh, contrary to what uh, I believe, how the Holy Spirit should move. I, I believe that the Holy Spirit should have free sway among us. How many believe that? And, and I believe that, that we should be able to worship in spirit and in truth and not in step uh, in rhythm with some programmer who tells us when to raise our hands, when to stand up, when to sit down. Hey, we should have a freedom among us that the Holy Spirit can strike your heart and you can clap your hands or you can sing and raise your hand, whatever you want to do. I believe that if the Holy Spirit is inspiring that, it's not going to interrupt the flow of the service. I believe it should be there. And, and he says, you got so much Hollywood evangelism, which is a new term, and God help us to tear that thing from the pulpit and get back to the Word and the true baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need it. We need to do that. That's 1957. I'd say we need it just as much today as we did in 1957. And then, uh, I, I put in this quotation here, you'll find it in Exodus chapter 20 here, and you'll find it also in Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy 27, I believe that it is. And God tells the children of Israel, if thou make me an altar of stone, if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up a tool upon it, thou hast polluted it. So in other words, when it comes to my altar, I want you to lift up stones that are unshapen, and let me shape them, not some man. I don't want you to, I don't want you to pick up some other man's uh, work on the stone and uh, put that together. I, I'll be the one that shapes the stones. I'll be the one that molds this thing. I'll be the one that makes it look like it's supposed to look. And so God pro- prohibited the children of Israel any time in the Old Testament, from building an altar with hewn stones because he wants to be the one that shapes the, the individual parts of that altar. Do you realize, saints of God, we are the living stones today that God wants to hew and God wants to shape. And he does not want you to be shaped by some other man's idea or some denominational system or program. He wants you to be shaped by the Holy Spirit himself. So just give me your heart, give me your mind, give me your body, give me everything you got, and watch me transform it into my altar, my place of worship, my house. God will do that if we give it to Him. But don't, don't mess around with, with other ideas and other people's... That's why I say, I'm so grateful that we have a restorer ministry in this last day. A restorer prophet that came in the last day. Are we okay with that? Alright, let's simplify the picture real down to real three graphics that I have. Sin separated us from God. Nobody needs much explanation on that. God was on one side of the chasm. Mankind was on the other side of the chasm after the original sin. And there was no easy way across. That's why I have the graphic on the front of the screen today, the front of the sermon. People respond to this separation from God in a variety of ways. Some people, if you look over on on the left side of the screen here, some people walk away. They walk away in darkness. Some people live life and figure on the curve, I'm, I'm okay. And other people, like this person trying to make it across on good deeds or a better moral life or, uh, you know, they attend church and they're, uh, you know, they try to give or, or whatever else. They're trying to do things that earns them merit in the eyes of God. But you can see it only takes them so far. It doesn't take them across. There really is nothing we can do to bridge that gap. It required Jesus Christ himself to die and make a way for us to come back into harmony with God. So that's the whole story of redemption in three screens. That's pretty good. You couldn't do it yourself. So Jesus stepped into that gap, into that breach, and made a way for us that we might be redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory, Christ is mine. And that's the only way across. And you know what? That message hasn't changed at all. That's still true today. Do you believe that? And, and, and God has restored the way to us uh, out of the Scripture and told us that, uh, you know, it begins in Acts chapter 2 when a person repents and is baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They make a full surrender to Christ and then He takes control of their life and they begin to walk in newness of life. Let me tell you, baptism is a great gateway because if a person refuses to walk through that, they're not going to see much that's on the other side of the gate. And Brother Manum said, you don't even need a revelation of that. He said, it's just staring right there in the Scripture, right in the Bible. All right? Are we okay? Now, so no matter how much he says you go to church and how well your name's engraved on a stained windows or on its book, And I hope the previous graphic or previous uh, second last graphic makes a sense of that. He said, it'll mean nothing to you. You'll only be able to go so far until you're a witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ by the infilling power of the Holy Spirit. You're taking someone else's word. And that's why God says, I don't want you to mess with hewn stones. I'm going I'm to lay this down myself. I'm going to show you the way myself. And so this will never mean the right thing to you. It will never mean anything to you until you become a witness of the resurrection personally, yourself, and you realize Jesus died for my sins, and now I'm able to walk in newness of life. Now look, every one of us should have this conviction that that's exactly what I want. That's exactly what I need. I need to have the real thing. I need to have the right thing because I don't want to come to the end of the road and, and realize that I've been uh, messing around with the, with the wrong thing over all of these years. I want to have the right thing because I want to go to the right place. And I want to be right or I'm going to be left. I want to be right or I'm going to be left. And I don't want to be left. I want to be right. Now... <clears throat> So Brother Branham says, and I I want you to, I want you to just step back for a minute here, because I I love this statement. I I never had seen this statement before. And and in the way he says it, I just, I want to just highlight this to you. He said, see, the, the seed, the seed of God had a place to hide. Uh, God knew it, or he would never have given promise to Abraham. And he says, now listen real close. God's got his seed in the earth. He knows exactly where they are. He knows how to find them, right? And God knows how to how to hold them. Uh, God knows how to preserve them, no matter what's going on around them. And He says, "Now listen real close." God knew that uh, where that promise was, uh, where God knew where that promise was going to. And He never called Abraham until he was seventy-five, but he was His predestinated servant from the beginning, and so was Sarah. Remember, he Abraham had no Bible to read from. He didn't have it as easy as we got it today, which is true, right? Because we have it—we have a, a Bible, or we have a we have a parallel Bible, we have it on our phone, we have an app, we have it on our computers. We have it everywhere. And if you don't have a, a Bible, you can just go get another one. I mean, we're not—we don't ever think about living life without a Bible. Could you imagine being in this message without having a Bible? They say, "Oh, no, I mean, that'd be really hard, right?" And he says, remember, he had no Bible to read from. Abraham did everything he did and is still considered the father of the faith, and he had no Bible to read from. Think about this now. He says, he didn't have it as easy as we got it today. Read his word and see others who've taken it. He only had it by revelation, and that's the real thing. Abraham, Abraham had it from God. He had it directly from God. And you know what? That held him, even if he couldn't look it up in, in the pages of the Bible. And he couldn't look and see how uh, David and Joshua and all the other characters of the Bible, how they reacted or what they did or what the answers were. Many times we can look up and see patterns and we can see things that God has done in the lives of other people and we learn from that. Abraham never had that. He never had a Bible at all. But you know what he had? He had a revelation of God's Word. He had a revelation of the mind of God. And guess what? That held him. Because it's not, it's not, your holding power is not in the physical book. Just like the holding power is not in a message book. That's not it at all. But it's the God of the message and the God of the Bible. He's the one in me that holds me and gives me the keeping power that I need to be able to maintain the right direction and to have the right revelation of things. So tell me what Abraham read in order to know that when God walked up to him, he said, My Lord... Faith comes by hearing. And he heard what God said. He heard what, and he believed what God said. He believed everything that God said to him. And let me tell you, that gave him the right kind of faith. They had the right kind of discernment to know the right kind of, uh, you know, veil that God would use so that uh, it didn't matter to Abraham. He was a man guided by revelation, not by circumstance, and not by his interpretation of the written word. Let's go a little further. Same as it was by Joseph in Genesis. There was no Bible. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. None of these characters had any Bible to read until after Moses. And they didn't have a Bible that we got to help us along in our crippled condition. They were rugged men. They were revealed to them by God. And they stood right there. Nothing moved them. Now do you think that we can still have rugged faith? He said, if it's revealed to you, I believe this, saints of God, if it's revealed to you, and you got the same kind of Holy Ghost that they had on the day of Pentecost, and you have the same kind of revelation that they had back there, and you're a seed of Abraham, let me tell you, that's what's going to hold you. But now we have the added benefit of having the Bible and having the message and having everything recorded, everything handed to us. I think it's great. I say greater is our responsibility to hold on to that revelation that God's got. Remember, God wants to speak to you and God wants to declare things to you His way. And He does not want anybody else to mess with it. That's why He gave men like Joseph a revelation and gave them a dream and gave them a vision. And they held to that over all that time because that revelation is a powerful thing. Now listen, put yourself in this today and say, alright, Brother Barry, i got a Bible. Should I get rid of it? No. But I'll say this. What you want to pray is that God gives you a real solid, sure, fire, concrete revelation that you're a child of God and nothing but nothing and nobody is going to alter that. You need to have a real solid revelation that no matter what anybody else does, what other young people do or whatever any other church does or what any other movement springs up, and I will tell you, there are movements. And there will always be movements. And there are different persuasions and different things. There will always be that. Trust me. Believe me. If you don't believe anything today, believe that. There's always going to be uh, diversities of opinion. There's always going to be, uh, you know, different emphasis put here. And you don't got it until you do this. You don't got it until you do that. There will always be there. Let me tell you something. I believe that we, if anybody else on the face of the earth, we should be above denominational influence where somebody says, well, you know, if you don't go to that kind of meeting, you don't have this, you don't have that, well, you don't have it. Let me tell you, you're not the one to give it. God gives it, and if God gives it, and i got a revelation of it, and it dovetails with the Word of God, you know what? I'm going to walk ahead with no fear, because I believe if I don't have what I need, God's going to give it to me because I'm a child of God. Not because I'm good and I deserve it, but because I'm a child of God. And no one's going to pluck them out of His hand. What you need is a solid revelation. Yes, we need the teaching, but you need the solid revelation. Yes, we need the instruction. Yes, we need all the examples, and yes, we need all of that. But I'll tell you, you need the Holy Spirit to quicken that word and make it alive and make it real and make it your anchor because Satan's interested in disrupting the status quo. Not that it's wrong, uh, you know, to, to go to a, a place or be in meetings and so forth and to enjoy diversity of the fivefold ministry. God gave the fivefold ministry and therefore it's a gift of God. And so we cannot say, well, you know, it doesn't matter. We just have a pastor and that's it. Don't limit your sights to that, to that extent. I say this. You should just say, Lord, we're not here to tell you what to do. But rather, we are here to receive from you whatever you have for us. And Lord, just guide me into all truth. And Father, protect my heart that I believe not the wrong thing. Are we okay? I thought I'd just carry that out for tonight. Now, here's Brother Graham in desperation. to see evening service when he preached a token in the morning. All right? So, Brother Bram's directed now, in 1963, to preach on the token. And he said it was the most direct revelation. He said, outside of the seven seals, the most direct revelation that God's ever given to me. And this is something that was born only for the end time. This is like a parallel to the Jews going out of Israel in the days of Pharaoh. And they had to apply a token because the only alternative was the death angel or the token, one or the other. Isn't that true? There was no halfway. I mean, you either applied a token or you didn't. The angel was looking for one thing and one thing only. He was not looking for your ability to sing or how many books you print or whatever else. He was looking for one thing, and that was a token. If he saw it, he went on. If he didn't see it, he came in. You don't want the death angel to come in. You want him to pass by, right? And, and so here's, here's, uh, here's Brother Branham telling us that uh, I, I, he said, I, I thought I'd just carry this over. This was so impressed him. This so moved him. And this so stirred in his heart that now the token is applied and the token was available. And this description of the token, because you don't find John Wesley and Martin Luther and, and uh, Spurgeon and Swingley and them talk, preaching about the token at all. But here's Brother Man coming into this understanding now the word is open through the seven seals. And now he's coming into this third pole, which is the open book. And the thunders are sounding. And here he is now, and he's bringing forth a revelation on the, on the token. And he's saying, This is so moving today. I thought I carried over into tonight. So he gives the executive summary. You may, sometimes you may, you may not hear me say it, but sometimes I do say it to people. Uh, you know, they say, Brother Barry, I had a dream and it matches my life story. And I'll say, Hey, if you don't mind, give me the executive summary. You following me? Because a life story in a dream, a couple of dreams can take, ooh, you know, at least a full day. So give me the executive summary. So here's Brother Branham, and I hope you catch the point here. Here's Brother Branham. He's, he's summarizing some of the things that God had said to him in, through him in the morning service called the token. And he said it was just too tremendous. And he, he, he preaches it two times again after this. And I hope there was some good tapes on it can be carried out so it can be carried out. I hope there was some good tapes on it so people can listen to it. Why? So it can be carried out. It was all the message I've ever brought that was absolutely ordained of God. So in other words, it needs to be said, it needs to be heard, but it needs to be carried out. Right? The whole principle of the token is that the, the blood did you no good as long as it, was, it remained in the bucket. It had to be applied. Just like the message of salvation, it does nobody any good unless you carry it out. Right? Hey, listen, born-again believers get wet. Born-again believers get wet. They go down. They want to be right because they don't want to be left. So he says, I, I, I believe this, this message, he said, was absolutely ordained of God because, of course, like the regular commission, like the seals and things, directly to, this, that was directly the Word of God. And I'm talking about a message to preach, I believe, that, uh, that we needed to follow the seven seals and watch what's coming after the seals, the uniting of the people. Uniting signs, red light flashing in the last days, sign of women getting prettier and men—what they would do? You know what else is prophesied to happen in the last days? We didn't talk very much about is that the love of many would wax cold. And and to me, to me, there there can easily be—if you let it—well, let's just say in, in an observational way in the world. There's a lot less love, I think, in general, just in the minds of people than there used to be. I don't know if that's just me, but I, I think this, people are less compassionate, less caring, less concerned about the other guy than they are because life is so busy. Hey, I've got to do this. Sorry, I'd love to hear your story. I'd love to hear your life story and your dream, but I've got to go. And off they go. It's not that I don't love you, but you know what? I, I, I don't love you. I've got to go. But let me say this. You can easily, you can easily fall out of love with this word. You begin to miss church. You begin to cool off in the things of God. You begin to lose your identity with the body. Stuff happens. But that's what Jesus warned us about in the last day. And the love of many would wax cold. It's not that they don't believe God. If you ask them and they got right down to it, yeah, they'd believe God. But the, the real love, the passion that they have, the real the real uh, uniting, the real interest that they would have in the things of God. You know what? You can be affected by attitudes. You can be affected by hurts. You can be affected by criticisms. And you can be affected by circumstances that are around you. And you feel like drawing back and drawing back. And I will tell you that in this age, it's easier to do probably than any other age. Jesus warned us about it. He said all of these signs of the Holy Spirit leading up and coming right back to the capping off of all these messages. He said it's capped off in this one thing. That's quite a statement to say. He said all of these things that's been leading up, it's capped off in the one thing. In other words, this message of the token here belongs in the realm of the capstone. All right, This is, is this capstone thinking here. Do you, do you understand what I, what I mean when I say that? On the top of the pyramid, right? Because if, if you have followed the progression of the ages from the first age to the seventh, in the last of it, it's not just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, but in the seventh age is when Christ comes to cap it all off. He's both the cornerstone and the capstone. Are we okay? And, and so here's Brother Mann. I'm saying now this is capping off something. So if we're, if we're talking about capping off something, I, I believe that this is coming directly from the mind of God. That he wants us to take note of this. It's capped off in this one thing. The token that we are all right. The token, if you have the token, it means you're all right. Just check yourselves and see if we're in the faith. If you have the token, you're all right. Isn't the token God's answer to the threat of judgment? It's God's own answer, isn't it? God says there's judgment coming, like in, in the days of uh, Rahab back here. There's judgment coming. And we know, we heard the stories. We heard how that God, your God stopped the Red Sea. We know that God who can do that is still alive today and he can do the same thing again today. So we know that God means what he says. And you know what if that's true? then if God's got a threat of judgment against Jericho, we don't want to be in that destruction. We want to be safe from it. And the only way we're going to be safe is to have a word that comes from you. And they said, apply the token and God won't touch this household. It's capped off in this one thing, the token that we're all right. And check ourselves and see whether we're in the faith. Well, that's a good thing to do. Have I got the real thing? That's what I want to know, right? Have I got the real thing? Have I got the real goods? Have I got the right stuff? And how do I know that? How can I tell that? So, a couple of scripture verses that I think are good to keep in mind. Jesus is very, he expresses this very clearly. That nobody is going to steal from him those that are his. Nobody's going to take out of the Father's hand the ones who are a part of the Father, right? Because that's what you are. If you're if you're a child of God, you're a part of the Father, right? Come on, folks. Don't 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 get quiet on me here. This is the easy. This is an easy thing to say. That there is only one eternal, and that's God. And if you've got eternal life, that means that you have a part of God in you, right? So look, let's get out of our minds. This is not trying to become like a Christian. This is not trying to become like a believer. Hey, you're a part of God. If you're born again, you're a part of God. If you have eternal life, you are a part of God. You don't have to try to be anything. You just need to. Let, you know what you need to do? You need to. You need to rest. You need to rest in that revelation, just like God rested on the seventh day. That's exactly what you need to do. You need to rest in the fact that I'm I'm not only, uh, you know, a child of God, and I not only had an experience with God, but I'm actually a part of God. Do you believe that today? Let me tell you, you're going to have to believe that. You're going to have to believe that with all your heart. You're going to have to believe that, I think, to the point where when I say that, you're going to have to get to your feet and say, yes, praise God, amen, we believe it. You don't need to do it now because that would be fake. Too late. So they they gathered around Jesus and they said, how long dost thou make us sit out? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them and said, I told you. And you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not, because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep know my voice. My sheep are, somewhat, are, are very much in the eye uh, of Jesus himself. They're, they're very much his concern, right? How many of you believe you're one of his sheep? My sheep know my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give, them, I give unto them eternal life. I'm the one that imparts eternal life I am the one that they come from and they shall never perish they shall never perish I think that's wonderful say it with me they shall never perish they shall never perish even if your body goes down in this earth before the change comes let me tell you, you'll never perish we'll meet you right on the other side we'll meet Sister Greg on the other side we'll meet Brother Larry right on the other side I believe there'll be no doubt at all, we meet Harold Buchanan over on the other side and and just step into that place because they're they're over there. They're not perished at all. They're alive. They're in another place. They're alive. They're in a better place. They're in a better body. They'll be on the other side. They'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Now, Satan can beat you up, and he beats up people real well. He beats up people a lot. And he tries to confuse you. He tries to bring you into darkness all that he possibly can But let me tell you, nobody is capable, nobody has the power to pluck them out of my hand because my Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You know what I just gave you? I gave you a guarantee of your eternal destiny. That's exactly what that is. Can I give you another one? And now, I am no more in the world. This is Jesus now praying. But these are in the world and I come to thee, Holy Father, keep thou thine own name, those whom thou hast given me. That they may be one as we are, even when I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Who's that, those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. None of them is lost. None of us is lost. If you're, let me tell you, if you're in that great economy and the mind of God, and the attributes of God, none of us are lost. Say it with me. None of us are lost. None of us. And we shouldn't act like we're lost. We shouldn't we shouldn't sing like we're lost. We shouldn't uh you know have a look on our face like we're lost. None of us are lost. You know, if I if I if I if I lived in in, uh Gaza today, I'd have a look of frustration and fear, dread on my face, because there is no definite outcome. Oh that's gonna come out. Probably not gonna be good. And they have a right to have a fear. I was just looking at some pictures there because uh, I've been following this and looking at some pictures that they posted about, uh, you know, families carrying their children and all the other destruction that's going on there. And they got, the, the, you know, the looks on their faces, the, the the fear that's written all over their faces here because they don't know how it's going to come out. We as believers, we should not have that look on our face. You can be tired. You can be weary. You can be worn out. You can be uh, frustrated because the things don't always work the same the way that you expect them to work out and all the rest of it here. But you know what? When we peel away all the layers, you should have a look on your face that says, I'm not lost at all. You know what? Those are temporary frustrations that I experience in life, but I'm not lost at all. I'm saved. I'm found. I've been, I've been redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory. Christ is mine. So your job is to walk in the light. As a matter of fact, That's the thing that attracted you in the first place. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we walk in the light as as he is in the light, not as he was in the light. Hey, we thank God for the history, but we act on the current revelation. We thank God for the stories, but we act on the current revelation. Isn't that right? We thank God for what He was. We thank God for what He did. We thank God for who He was to all those people back in time. We thank God for, uh, you know, the anointing He gave those saints that died a martyr's death. We thank God for all of that. We thank God for how He cared uh, for the widow of Nain. We thank God for how uh, He got the, the Israelites placed into the promised land under Joshua. We thank God for that. And we believe that if God can do that, God can still do it today. But we're not acting on what they did back there. And that's why we're not acting on what Pentecost taught. We are acting on what God is doing in the light of the hour. Because that's the thing that attracts the children of God and the sons of God. Is what God's doing in that light today. And we have fellowship then one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ His Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we walk in the light as He is in the light. I, I always marvel at this because this is something that I uh, track all the time when I'm traveling overseas. That you know, you can be at nighttime in one part of the world, and it's daytime's morning in another part of the world. I've always, uh, I, I've done it enough where I've called my wife, you know, at 2 a.m. in the morning. and Says, "Hey, how are you doing? Lovely day here. How, how are things? I don't know. Everything is pitch black. I don't know. <clears throat> done that more than once." And I will have to say this, that the opposite is also true. <laughs> People have called me in the middle of the night from overseas. Hey, brother, I need ten church age books, you know. Well, we'll get them. I, I, don't, I don't talk good when I'm woken up at night, my family will tell you. I make squeaks and sounds and just things that are not words. Uh, and don't anybody get the idea that they're going to call me in the middle of the night and try to find out. <laughs> what sounds and what squeaks, but I don't, I really don't talk very much in, in when I'm awakened like that. Matter of fact, I remember one brother who called me, and he was asking me an important question, but it had, didn't have to be answered just then, and I tried to get my words out and tried to get them out, and I just, I, I knew who it was, and I was trying to talk to him, but there was no voice there, so I just hung up. And I, <laughs> next, I said, no point, there's really no point. And my wife's laughing too hard, and, uh, you know, I just said, no point, so I, I hung up. And, uh, I just called him the next morning, and I said, I, I, need, I owe you an explanation of what happened here. But I, I tried, but I couldn't do it. All right, so that's, that's your interlude. Do you realize how few people fall into the light category by revelation? There's a lot of people who believe brother Bam said it's easy to believe what God has done and what God's going to do and failing to recognize what God's doing remember it it is it is the the manifestation of the spirit of God in an age because God does certain things. God manifests certain signs and wonders that are prophesied for a certain time, certain age. And when the light of the Holy Spirit quickens that word and brings it into reality, let me tell you, there's, there's something attractive about that to the elect of God. So when, when God poured water upon Malachi 4... In other words, God's shone a light on Malachi 4. Now is the time for that to come to pass. Now he has his prophet on the earth. Now there are signs and wonders and things that are happening that, that uh, actually indeed are capable of turning the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. And the Holy Spirit's actually doing that. And, and it's happening. And it's, and it's unfolding. It's, it's going on right while we're at it. There's something about the elect of that age who have something in them to recognize what the Spirit is doing in that age. They're not ordained for Wesley's time or Luther's time. They're ordained to catch what God's doing in this particular time. And in this hour, God's manifesting His Word in a certain way. Let me tell you, that's the attraction on the mountain for the the Bride of Christ. That's what they're interested in, in seeing. And you know what? Not just once, but we want to see God moving in His Word continually until our bodies are changed. And we get out of here. That's exactly what we want to have because it's not just once God gets your attention and brings you into a church and say, "Hey, good luck. Coast along until you get there." No. Now for me, I want I want to just I want to make sure that we have uh we we understand correctly what we're supposed to understand. But I believe that we should be in expectation for whatever God has next for us in the unfolding of his word. It's not all unfolded yet because number 1, the last seed's not in, and number 2, our bodies are still intact. In We're still trapped in the old one. I believe when God manifests the last part of His Word on this earth and gathers the last member of the body, then we'll go. And God's still got more to show us on this side. How many believe that? Well, you're never going to get it when you say, well, you know, we've got it all and we've got it all figured out and we got... Hey, you'll never get it that way. Revival will come in the Word when we lay down our pre-understanding, our preconditions and our pre-understanding of what God's going to do. In other words, when we predict what uh, the way God's going to respond, we predict what God's going to say and do. We predict what uh, we're going to hear. And, uh, you know, you're just coming to church expecting, well, it would be nice to be there, but, you know, it's a mundane thing because this is going to happen and that's going to happen that's going to happen. Hey, God has a tough time getting the spirit of revival to move among a people who are, who are uh, you know, uh, steeped in a rut like that. And a rut is really only a grave with the ends kicked out, right? So what we need to do is come with an expectation and uh, not our thumbs dwindling, but our hands in the air and just saying, Lord, I'm open, I'm I'm ready, I'm available. And whatever you want to say, whatever you want to do and whatever you want to speak, Lord, show it to us from the Word and let's walk in that. Because if you walk in the light as He's in the light, that's the thing, let me tell you, that's the thing that God attracts you by and that's the thing that impresses God is when you continually walk in that direction. All right. Now, I don't want to prolong things here because I don't want to uh, drag this out. I, in, this, in a sense, I don't want to make it too long here. But if you don't mind, let's go back a little bit to desperation here for a moment. And uh, Brother Branham says the Lutherans, he said they, they allowed it to accepting Christ as your personal Savior. If you did that then you were in, Methodist said when you get happy and shout, that's it. Pentecostal said speaking tongues, that's it. And he said, we find out all of it was wrong. Not that, not that accepting Christ as your Savior is wrong, or speaking in tongues is wrong. But to believe that that is the absolute evidence of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> Brother Branham takes us beyond that and says the Holy Spirit can impersonate any of that. So rest in this, that the token is the token. It's you and Christ as persons together. It's you and Christ as persons together. It's the Holy Spirit, His life in you, working His own life through you. And it's for whosoever will. It's for the rich or the poor, whosoever will. So it's you and Christ as persons together. My wife and I, we're persons together. Right? She's not in me, but we are We are bound together by covenant and a promise and marriage, and so we are two persons together. And that relationship is different than any other relationship I have with any other woman who's here in the in the assembly, right? That's the way it ought to be. It's It's The token means that it's me and Christ together. And it's not me that lives now, but Christ that lives in me. It's the Holy Spirit, His life in you, working out His own life through you, which is what He did in the early church, remember? Remember? Remember that—that's that's a that's kind of control, this kind of interaction that he had with the early church members. There, that whatever he wanted to carry out, he could do it. He could, uh, you know, he could have Peter, you know, to stand up in the jail and the, and the doors open there, and he walked through it. And, and uh, he could have, uh, you know, somebody pass by and their shadow would, would cause the uh, people to be healed. Remember, I told you before, it's not shadows that heal, but whatever you're overshadowed with, whatever you're overshadowed with. Is what your shadow consists of. So it's it's not a physical shadow because anybody could, you could sit in anybody's shadow, but you wouldn't be healed. But let me tell you, the Holy Spirit was living His own life through them in that day. And I say, if we've got the same Holy Ghost, and we, we understand that now, right? That the same Holy Ghost they had back then, that same Holy Ghost you can have today. And if that's true, that if He's living His own life through you, and we should be coming closer to that. And you know what? There really should be no limit as to what he can do at all. All right, let me give you an example here. He says, he says, here's Abraham and Isaac up on the mountain there, and he threw his little head back, reached down his bosom, took a knife out, raised it up, pulled his hair back, and his heart choking, swallowing it back, as if to say, farewell, Isaac, my boy. Raised his hand about that time in full obedience. In full obedience. Even if you're doing something wrong and walking in obedience, the Holy Ghost is there to stop you. He's your revealer. He's your checker. He's your teacher. Come on. He's your comforter. He's your Lord. He's your healer. He's your joy. He's your peace. He's your stop. He's your stoplight. When you're doing something wrong or about to do something wrong, maybe it's something that you don't understand. You're walking in obedience. Here's Abraham walking in obedience. The Holy Ghost is there to stop you. And you say, well, I'm afraid if I receive the Holy Ghost, I might act indecently. Don't you worry. If it's the Holy Ghost, He'll know when to stop you and when to start you. He's got the button in His hand, so He knows when to turn it on and turn it off. You just throw yourself at His mercy. You know what? This PowerPoint is not on autopilot. And it's not going to run to the next slide until the man who holds the button, he's the one that pushes it and allows it to go to the next slide. There's somebody got that button in their hand. And I will tell you what, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, is to hold your life in His hand. And when He's ready to push the button, I want you to go here and I want you to do this, and I want you to believe this, and I want you to experience this. He's got the button in His hand. What you've got to do is quit pushing the buttons on your own you got to quit believing that you're the one that's got to make the decisions about putting your buttons there. But when you put your life in God's hand, you actually surrendered your controller to God and said, now you be the one that controls my life. You be the one that presses the button. You be the one that tells me to go forward. You be the one that helps me to forgive. Because sometimes it's hard to forgive. Sometimes it's hard to show the right kind of compassion tolerance for people sometimes it's hard to get over hurts but you know what you might be looking for the button in your pocket and saying man if i could i just forward myself out of this situation here and the holy spirit hasn't forwarded you out of it because he still wants something for you to know on this particular screen there might be something on this particular lesson that he wants you to know i didn't bring me to here the button did right I, in other words, I didn't bring me to this point in my life. He did because he pushed the fast forward until I got to where I am. You know how I get to the next level? You know how I get to the next stage? Is that he pushes the button in your life. If you need to pay your debts, pay your debts. If you need to ask forgiveness, then you should ask forgiveness. If you need to forgive, you need to forgive. You need to learn whatever is on this screen until he's, gonna, he's pressing the, the button. Because he's not here just to entertain us. He's not here just to bring us to see what's next, what's next, what's next. He's there for us to learn what's on every slide so that we can move on and we can come to a place of maturity. Because isn't that what the Holy Spirit's here to do? Right? He's here to guide you into all truth. He's here to show you things the way that the Father would do it. Isn't that right? I mean, maturity is what he's after, spiritual maturity. I, I, you know, the the experience of meeting God is an experience. And it's an exciting thing and it's a great thing. And I think everybody's got to have it. Everybody's got to experience it. Everybody's got to experience that. But that's not where it stops. That's where it starts. Now, the continuation is this maturing, this growing in grace and in knowledge. And, uh, you know, going deeper in the love of God. Going deeper in the experiences of God. Learning, learning that no matter what circumstance you find yourself in... My God's going to get me out of it because there's going to come a time when He's going to press the button and I'm going to move to the next slide. I'm not the one with the slide in my hand. I'm not the one with the clicker in my hand. I'm not the one that's pulling the buttons here. I'm not the one that's got, uh, you know, making the decision about when to move on. That's not my decision. I gave that to Him. And if I gave that to Him, He still got it. I don't want somebody I love to die. I don't want you know this thing to happen to me. I don't want this to happen in our church. I don't want uh, you know uh, my job to cease or whatever else. And you know what? God is just telling you that no matter what screen we come to, I've still got the control in my hand. And I'm going to get you through this screen, just like I got you through the screen beforehand to get you to this screen. And then there's another screen beyond that, and another one beyond that, until we come to a place of maturity. And you know what a place of maturity is? It's either the graveyard or the rapture, one or the other. And he gets us out of here in one, way, one method or the other. He's going to get us out of here. But when he gets us out of here, all the screens you need are going to be shown because he's the one that's got the controller for your life in his hand. If you don't go away with anything else, you go away with this understanding that if I have the Holy Ghost, he's the one that's in control. And like Brother Random says right here, don't you worry. Here's Abraham up on top of the mountain there, and he's not really worried, but my goodness, he's got to be asking some questions and, you know, thinking as if to say, as if to say, farewell, Isaac, my boy. I don't know how God's going to do this, but, you know, he's raking the hair back on his neck there, and he, he, knows, what, he knows what a sacrifice is sacrificed like. He knows what that looks like, and he knows what that feels like. He, he, you know, I mean, his, this is not his first day on the earth, and he knows, he knows where this is headed, right? He knows where this is going. But let me tell you, it wasn't just Abraham watching this and, and Isaac watching this. The Holy Ghost was right there watching over Abraham. Never had a Bible to read, never had anything to reference at all. But he's got a revelation that this is what God told me to do. And he calls the place Jehovah Jireh because he's also got the revelation that if that if Isaac goes down in death, he is the God who provides. He's going to raise up someone. Else. He's going to raise up Isaac again because out of Isaac shall thy seed be blessed. Some way or another, Abraham knows. He just doesn't want to do it. But he knows he's got a revelation. Otherwise, you would never do that. And he got a revelation that God's going to, able to raise him up. If he goes down under this knife today, he's going to come back up. You know what? This is not the way Abraham would have done it. This is not the buttons Abraham would have pushed. This is not the way Abraham would have planned things. This is the way that God did. Because he wanted Abraham to learn absolute love and trust in God. Now I know, Abraham, that you love me. And I've got you in a certain place today, and I've got you in a certain mountain today, and I've got you under my control today. You Just let me push the buttons here. But rest assured, rest in this, because rest is a really key thing for every one of us. Rest in this fact that I'm watching over you to make sure that, number one, you don't blow it. Number two, you learn everything you're supposed to learn. And number three, that you make it where you're supposed to go, because no one's going to pluck you out of my hand. We've got to believe that. Let's stand to our feet. We've got to believe that. We've got we to practice that. We've got to walk in that light. We've got to sing about that. We've got to rejoice about that. We've got to thank God for that. Absolutely. That's why Rahab said, I know this is going down, I know this city is toast. I know that the inhabitants of it are toast, and I know nothing good's going to come out of this situation here because these people have resisted you. These big walls are built for only one reason, and that is to keep God out. And so I know that, and I know that your God is certainly capable because if God can stop the waters and the rivers, then my, my goodness, God can easily bring down these walls here. And Rahab, she's she's making sure that they understand the story, and she says, "So I want you, here's what I want you to do. I want to have a true token." I want to have a true token here that's going to guarantee that when, when judgment strikes this place, I will not be numbered in that, in that judgment. And those, those tape boys gave her that assurance. And let me tell you, she walked out over the ashes of that city, very much alive with her father and her mother and all those that were in, inside in that house. There. What is that, folks? That is, not, that is not what she deserved. That's God's mercy. That's God's grace to her. That's exactly what that is. And that's what God desires to do in our lives. But I will tell you something, that He runs this thing. He's got the controller in His hand. And if He does, you know what? I know that He's concerned about my good all the time. He's concerned about what I need and what I have. He's interested in helping you overcome the personal battles that you face and struggle. the things you struggle with. God's interested in helping you over all of that. Do you believe that? We should rejoice in that. We should be thankful for that. And uh, I would tell you that Satan must be so frustrated when it comes to, uh, you know, reminders and services like this of all the promises that are made on our behalf. Because you're, you're, you're the resistance movement that's in the earth. And the very fact that you're still here means that Satan is not as powerful as you are. He's not as powerful as God. Right? And that's got to be so frustrating to him. And that's why he fights so hard. And that's why he resists so much. But I will tell you something, that <clears throat> there's no power greater than the power in our God. And you've got greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Hey, we've already made it. Already done. It's a done deal in the eyes of God. It's already done. You believe God's able? There's an army that's rising up. Let's sing it this morning. John, help me sing, if you will. There's an army Rising up,
1: yes, there's There's an an army rising. I know there's power in the name of Jesus. Oh, there is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Sing that again now. Yes, there is power in the name of Jesus. I know there's power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. First verse again. Yes, there's an army rise. Right up. There's an army rising up. Oh, there's an army rising up break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Sing that second verse again.
3: hallelujah, break every chain. You might have come here today with a chain around you and you can't get free of it. I'll tell you what, I believe the Holy Ghost is free to break that chain. I believe he should be free tonight to break that chain. I believe he can do it tonight. But you've got to believe that he can. You believe that he will. You gotta trust him for that. I believe that he will. Shout to the Lord. Let's put it in his key of C. I think it is. Let's sing together. Help me sing it. Now. I'm losing my voice here, so I want to save some in case somebody has a chain. They want to have broken here today. So let's let's sing it together.
1: My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. one. compares to the promise I have. Nothing compares
3: We love where you are. We love being where you are. We love being in the light where you are, Lord. Like your prophet said, Lord, is was so grateful that the revelation of the token could come forth so that it could be lived now, it could be applied, it could be on display. Now we would have no fear of a death angel. And no matter what happens in the world, Lord, any sickness, any war, any grievous thing that would come we live in a day when we wonder what's next the Lord for us there's a seal on the door that indicates the blood of Jesus is applied, and the life of Christ is displayed as an impregnable shield against the judgments that are passing through this world oh Jesus we love you and we thank you today I pray you break every chain that would hold God's people back Pray that you would just release those, Lord, that need freedom today, and may God, you just do a work in our hearts, do a work in our midst. I pray especially, Lord, for our own church, and pray, Lord, that you do a work among us. Lord, may we have a freedom and a joy and a peace that only you can bring. Father, we just not, we're not here to tell you what to do. We're we're just here, Lord, as empty vessels, and we want to be filled. We want to be blessed. We want to hear from you, Lord. This is our desire, that your word, Lord, would be manifest in our lives. I pray, dear God, you would have your way. pray you would minister to us. Lord Jesus, we just want to say we love you and we thank you. And we appreciate, Lord, all you are to us. And we'll be thankful. And we'll be grateful. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all the brides said, we exalt thee. Let's switch that to D. D. I think it is. That's what it's in. We exalt thee. We exalt thee.
1: We exalt Once again, now we We exalt. Just worship Him this morning. Yes, we We exalt.
3: Simmons for me, and um, good day to each and every one of you here today, and may the Lord bless you and bless the rest of your day. May your conversation be sweet, and may your thoughts just be stayed on him today. God is good. God loves us. I just come expecting on uh, Wednesday night, Brother John will be here, and uh, I know you'll enjoy that, and uh, just trust that God will protect each one of you, and I know that he's committed to doing that. But not just to protect you. I know that He wants to move us forward and move us on. May God bless you. So let's sing that little chorus this morning. <clears throat> we'll wor- let's switch it to F, if you will. We worship you in spirit and in truth. <clears throat>
1: we worship you in spirit.
3: blessing upon each saint of God that's gathered here today, Lord. And those who are listening, we pray that you would just minister healing peace to each one, Lord. And may we have the assurance of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Lord. Father, for those that may be seeking the Holy Spirit, Lord, may they just reach out to you. Father, I pray you'd change their lives, Lord. Fill them, I pray. Fill them overflowing. Lord, they might experience the true joy joy of the Lord which is our
4: strength
3: have your way Lord among us I pray Lord we desire to move out of the way and let you just speak and let you just have complete control and gather in this place bless each one now we pray in Jesus name and for your glory Amen and Amen and Amen if you want to stay and worship a little bit you're certainly welcome to do that Sing as you go this morning. We
1: worship you.